Hello, hello. Welcome to Creative Women Wanted, this podcast for Black women to hear stories and connect with other Black women in television about creativity, career, community, and wellness. I am talking to Kimberly Brown. She is a career and leadership expert about strategies for getting to our next level, right? Because we're always trying to get to the next level, right? We got big goals. We got things we try to do and accomplish. And this episode is so good. I was over here like almost about to cry over here, writing stuff down, taking notes because the things that Kimberly is saying is just so good. And she is well positioned to have this conversation with us today. Kimberly Brown is a career and leadership expert whose mission is to help women and people of color navigate the workplace, make more money, and become industry leaders. Her leadership development company, Manifest Yourself, provides organizations with tailor-made solutions to hire, develop, engage, and retain women and people of color. Through her experience as a career development advisor in some of the nation's top universities, including Princeton, and diversity and inclusion professional in a Fortune 100 company, American Express, she has learned that there is so much more to career and leadership development besides having a high-paying job or getting to where we're trying to go, right, besides them executive positions. She said it's really about creating actionable strategies that enable professionals to do more, be more, and achieve more. This is for us, y'all. This episode is so good. I'm going to have to download like have a moment, take a walk after listening to this. Let's get into it. Hello, Kimberly. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I um I can't believe like we met two it's been it's been two years already since we've connected at that at the event. And yes. I'm just so delighted to have known you. It's been really beautiful to follow your journey since then. Thank you so much. Time has flown. Like, I can't believe I was thinking about it before this call. I was like, wow, I would have been a full-time entrepreneur for two years in May. Because it happened like at that event was like the catalyst for like pushing. So look at that. Congratulations. Um, so and talking about entrepreneurship, you know, your company is called Manifest Yourself. So what does it mean to manifest yourself? I teach my clients, whether they're corporate or individuals, that manifesting yourself is about really believing in yourself and your vision, and then taking inspired action to do the things to get you closer to that vision every single day. I think some folks reach out to me to be on podcasts or to do press or news to talk about manifestation. I'm like, you probably didn't read my website. You probably don't know what I'm talking about because I'm not talking about sitting under a tree and like, oming and like eating granola and like hoping that the universe just conspires for you. It's like, no, I teach people, you have to take action, build a plan, take action and believe that what you want is actually possible. And that's when you can start to put things together. Manifest Yourself came um, from me just going through my own journey of understanding I had more control over the outcomes than I thought I did by creating a plan and taking more actions in support of what I really wanted versus what other folks that I should want or what I saw on the internet or on social media or whatever it was. And that's why I'm excited to have you because we're going to be talking about like strategies to get to our next level. And I think that being a creative and not having a blueprint can be challenging. Right. And, and so I'm curious, what led you to this line of work? So my background is interesting in that 
I say that I'm literally trained to be a career coach, which I think is different from many career coaches who actually practice. So I spent about 10 years in higher education, literally learning how to coach people throughout their careers. I joke and say that I spent, I could work with anyone who's age 18 and doesn't know what to do with their life through like mid 60s when they're trying to take all the experiences and do something fun that brings them joy. After that, I spent a few years in global talent acquisition at a Fortune 100 company, really building out their global strategy to recruit, retain, and promote women and people of color across the globe. So all of my like meteor work experiences have all literally been in career and leadership development. I definitely fumbled early like most folks do after college. So I had a few jobs that don't need to be named that I did not enjoy. But the bulk of my career has always been helping people navigate the world of work. I love that. So what skills or practices do you implement into your lifestyle that have helped you so far get to your next level? Planning. I know it sounds so simple, and I think we talked earlier like when we did like our pre-call about like creatives and the struggles. I think so many times that we just hope things are going to happen. Like we just hope that it's going to naturally happen over time because we do great work. We know our craft, whatever it is. But the older I get, the more I realize like things, good things generally don't happen by accident. It happens from planning. It happens from strategy. So for me... I am very big on creating the plan, even if it's as simple as like planning my day. Each morning I get up and I plan my day. What are the three big things I'm going to get done? What are the other auxiliary tasks that I'll try to get done? Making sure I track all of my ideas and I don't leave things to chance. I think the more I leave to chance, the more that my results are left to chance. And I generally don't end up where I know I could be versus when I you know, sit down, pay attention, get myself together. Um, it's much more successful. I get the outcomes that I desire. So planning is like the biggest thing that I use for myself. And can we talk about the planning piece of it, right? Because I think sometimes it can be difficult to even know what to do, right? Is this, it, should I add this to my calendar? Should this be the thing that I doing that I do? It's what I want to do, right? Like it's what I feel good about, but how are you deciding? Like what's your planning process and what is it that you tell your clients or you would tell creatives? So I'm big on a brain dump. I write down everything. All of the things that I want to do, should do, have to do, outstanding, forgot about. Like I literally sit and I brain dump everything. And then I generally categorize like what is going to get me closer to my goals. So for some folks that may be, is this revenue generating? Like does doing this task actually make me cash money? Um, or is this what I do when I'm stressed out and overwhelmed? I am real big for organizing. When I get anxious or nervous, I will do every single minute task that has nothing to do with making money in my business <laughs> because it brings me joy. I can over-organize my Google Drive because it feels good to me or research new planners or new ways to strategize and new planner systems. I'll do that all the time. So for me, it's really calling myself out. When I look at the brain dump, it's like, okay, what is actually revenue generating? What actually is important and has to get done by deadline? And what are things that can wait, I can delegate, um, or are my procrastination zones? Because there's definitely things there that are procrastination zones that like, I do this because it feels good, but it's actually not doing anything for me that part. And I feel like as an entrepreneur and as many of the women on, that listen to this podcast, they're freelancers, right? They're creative. They might they some of us are creative entrepreneurs, right? How much of this do you believe is spiritual? Like how much of this do you believe is like things that we need to learn about ourselves in order to like figure out what it is that we need to do? That's a hard question. And I think we really have to know ourselves. 
I think it's really easy to put a beautiful container on our procrastination sometimes or on our avoidance. It's easy to say that, you know, this is my creative process. Like this is what I have to do, or I'm really not sure. Nine times out of 10, we know what needs to be done. We know what is going to move the needle. We know what we're good at, what we're not good at. And if we're talking about folks, let's just say late twenties to like early forties, like we have a pretty good idea. And even if we are testing and we really do not know, we can generally figure out what are the few steps we can take to test and then have mm-hmm. enough discipline to pull back when it's not working. I think there's things that I love to do that don't make me money. And how like, does, okay, go about say, how does that intertwine with like your strategies to get into your next level? Cause that's good. I limit them. I limit them. Like this may feel good to me and it may be nice, but if it does not make me money and my goal is to be financially stable, I want to buy a home in the next year. Um, I want to be able to pay myself the way I paid myself in corporate America because I was making cash money back then. I'm like, <laughs> my business does really well, but I still have, don't have my salary at the way I would like to have it the way it was in corporate. I'm like, I have to really ask, what do I really want? Mm-hmm. Do I want to do the thing that it feels good and it's easy? Like just because it feels good, knowing it's not going to make me a dime or do I want to do the hard thing? that I know is going to move the needle, take my business, take me to the next level and potentially impact more people. And I think that's a lot of self-awareness in myself of understanding, well, why is it that I want to do this thing? What am I really afraid of? Mm. And generally there's something below that, that it's like, what is the real reason why you're not pursuing your goals? And I think whether it's fear of failure or fear of success, um, fear of change, like whatever it is, generally there is some underlying fear that is the real reason why you're not taking the actions you know you need to take. I can see that because even as a creative, sometimes like everything that we do is not tied to money, right? Mm -hmm. Our our, our art is our product. So sometimes like for us, it's about doing the the art thing that we've been wanting to do that can help us to get to where we're trying to go. And it's Mm -hmm. like, why are we not doing that? Because I know I have some fears, right? I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm afraid to be seen as a beginner and it's like, I have to affirm myself like my friend Mecca said, I am not afraid to be seen as a beginner. What advice do you have for Black women who often feel unseen or overlooked? And have you have you experienced this? I mean, that sounds like imposter syndrome, right? I feel like that's what we're talking about. I think that being an imposter and feeling like imposters, obviously, it's something I've experienced. I think it's something that most people have experienced. Um, I was raised in a very small town in Connecticut. I was the only minority K through 12 um, in all of my classes all the time. Um, I've worked, I went to a PWI for college, for grad and undergrad. I've worked in many PWI, I've worked in Ivy League institutions, Fortune 100 companies. So I'm generally used to feeling like one of the onlys, if not the only in the area, my career excelled extremely fast. So I generally was younger and the only black woman in many of the rooms that I was in, managing people who were older than me were having to impact and influence folks who are a lot older and did not look like me. So I understand what imposter syndrome can feel like. But I think that, yes, we can validate that experience. And I think we need to provide ourselves with comfort and support ourselves in whatever way we need to be supported. However, we cannot allow imposter syndrome to prevent us from taking the steps that we need to take. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a balance of like, how can I support myself in the way I need to be supported, but then still take action? So like we met at an event where we were giving like coaching on performance. Like, so for me, it's like, how can I support myself and my business, my mindsets, where can I talk and speak yeah. candidly about my fears, my hopes, my dreams, get the help that I need? How can I get all of that 
but then still take action and run my company and do what I need to do. Mm, When you see me doing my craft, you're not going to see the fear and all the other things, but I will be in rooms like what we were in. And I definitely said some tears. Like me too. Me too. There's that, that balance. I think it's like support yourself how you need to be supported, but don't let, um, I think sometimes we can allow comfort things that feel good to take over and we'll lean too much into comfort versus challenging ourselves when we know our goal is to do more. I think the last thing I'll say on that is like, I think a a lot of what we're talking about is like discipline. It's about taking the actions that you need to take. I always, when people talk to me about starting a business, um, and I don't really offer business coaching. I may later in the year through another company, we'll see, but I don't really offer it right now. Um, one of the things I always ask people, like my friends who talk to me about starting a business is you have to decide what type of business you want to have. Like what type of growth do you want to have? What is okay for you? I think we can look online and everybody wants to have a seven figure, eight figure, 10 figure business. Like how big can we go? Like let's do all the things. But that does not have to be you. Some people are just fine with a business that makes under $100,000 a year. They pay all their bills. They're living their life. They're on vacation. It is fine. Some people want to have a nine to five and they want to just make a little bit of money so they can go on vacation or pay off some debt. Right. I'm like, and how you show up in each level is different. Someone who wants to have a forever side hustle is going to show up very differently than someone who wants to do it full time but really they're happy with keeping it at, at a smaller size versus someone who wants to build an organization that can be sold. Right. It's like what right. level of effort is required for where you want to go and how can you align and have the discipline despite all the other things that align with that area? Because sometimes we can want the thing when we look at our actions, it's like we're not taking any right. action right. to get us to whatever level we want to be at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel, I feel seen on that one because I know that- <laughs> I know that my vision for my business, my creative business is big, right? And mm-hmm. I and I know that the actions I need to take, they have to look different than than they did even a few years ago. So yeah. I definitely feel that. And I know that there are creatives here that can feel that. When it comes to confidence, right? Like, would you say that like having confidence is the opposite of imposter syndrome? And then how, like, what did that look like for you? I'm so curious because I do think the lack of confidence or finding creative confidence for the audience here can be a challenge with, with, with it just being such a noisy world. So I think confidence and imposter syndrome can coexist. I don't think that they are mutually exclusive. Like when you have enough confidence, you won't have imposter syndrome. I don't mm. think that's the case. I actually have something like written on my window that I'll read. So I write on my windows. I have affirmations everywhere. It's just who I am. And I have, what, what it says on my window is I will not play small to be fake humble because my January 1st, 2025 vision for my life is not small. I will spend my energy being courageous versus fearless. I was created to be great, not me- mediocre. I am focused, not frantic. Ooh, ooh. Like to... I really like reinforce like confidence comes from taking action. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get confident in something by like sitting and like, you know, the manifesting it, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't give you confidence. You get confidence every single time you do something different and you see that it's not that bad. Every single time you get a result that you wanted, even if it's just a little bit better than the last time, that's how you gain confidence. And I think that for me, it's really come from doing all the things that scare me. All the things that scare, I almost curse for a second. I'm trying, I'm like, scare you can curse, you can curse. We curse here. Okay, okay. I'm like, but it's the things that scare the shit out of me. Like yeah. anything that is super 
like comforting. That never has increased my confidence. The things that when I, one of my coaches called me out last year and said, like, why are you creating like a middle goal in between where you are and where you really want? Like, know what you really want. Why are you creating this like middle thing to do versus working on the big thing? I'm writing that one down. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, I find myself doing that so much. You know why? Because it feels more attainable. Yeah. And I don't don't like that. I don't like that. I don't want to be like that. Cause I know, and and it's like, I'd be like, Oh, I want to make waves, not ripples. And then I'll just make like a tiny goal. But can you give me an example of that in your own life? Like what it looks like to make a a middle goal. I think, is that your magic middle Mm -hmm. making a middle goal instead of making a big goal? Oh, okay. Um, perfect. I, I have one from this year because this is what we were talking about. So I've been wanting to do like a multi-day career leadership event for a while now. Multi-day where I'm actually teaching and coaching. And I we've both been to like a bunch of events ourselves, but I feel like one of the things that's missing is doing what entrepreneurs do all the time, doing it in the corporate space. So I wanted an event where there was a curriculum that's really teaching folks not, there's no upsell, there's no nothing. Like you're getting served at that program. And there's actually small group coaching that is coaching, again, not upselling into a program, which is what entrepreneurs experience a lot. Like Mm -hmm. coaching at events is to upsell. I'm like, I didn't want that experience. I want people to pay to attend this event. You have a curriculum where you take a workshop and then you do small group coaching to make sure you understand. And then breakfast, lunch, all the things. But all of it is like, okay, we're teaching a concept and then we do coaching around it so you can actually have behavior change when you return to the workplace. Mm -hmm. That was my dream to do like a series of events like that. But what I found myself doing were these smaller workshops. Mm -hmm. I was like, people aren't going to spend two days with me. No, can't do that. People, oh, I can't do that. It's going to be too much money, too much this, too much that. So I found all these other smaller ways to not serve my people by doing that. For years, I did this other event in New York City. It did really, really well, actually, too. So that's the other thing. Sometimes that magic middle can feel amazing. I used to do an event um, that brought almost 200 people out in New York City. It was a day party with an agenda called the Empowerment Social. It was amazing. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I can't really like teach people because people aren't ready for that. So I did this day party with an agenda where every hour on the hour, we had a speaker come up and give like a 15 minute actionable talk in between brunch, swag surfing, vendors. Like it was such a vibe and attracted a different brunch crowd because you're partying, but you're still learning. But I did all these things instead of actually doing what I really, really, really wanted to do. This year, I finally just did it on March 30th and 31st. We committed to four events this year. Um, But it took me a second to like actually like, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was wildly successful. It was incredible. It was so transformational. Like I remember when the event ended on that Friday night, I think I shared, I had a little story on Instagram. I had a moment of like, oh my God, was this event like not successful? Like, oh my gosh, it wasn't good. Because I think as an entrepreneur um, and in the social media culture that we're in, we're so used to logging back online and you see the recap. You see everybody sharing all the stories, this, that, and the third. When I went back online, it was radio silent. Mm. But it was radio silent because no one took their phone out. Mm, There it is. Which is a phenomenal thing. Right. had 28 people in a room who did not take their phone out for two days. Yeah, that's good. That's better than anybody who has 18 million ticks on Instagram. Like all the the recaps, because they were actually there and paid attention. Right. But I have like email people email me later, like, oh my gosh, I said this to my boss on Monday and it was so much better, or this or that. Or they went out to dinner together and sent me pictures or text me a picture. I was like, okay. Like it was successful and they loved it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't what we define as success today. 
That's so good. It makes me want to tear up because I did a um I did a Twitter Spaces for um TV girls where we were talking about our favorite television shows and I just wanted to do that and one person listened in live. And on the while I was there, while I was on the Twitter Space, I was like I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. But, then I, but then I was like, but it's not about that. Like it's not about the person showing up. It's about who who am I becoming in doing this Twitter space because I want to do it, right? And so I I feel like I feel like it sounds like you you might like have had some rules in your head, but you break them very quickly. You're like, oh, that's cute, but I'm not. That's cute, but I'm not going to. It, it may sound quick, but sometimes it could take some time. I'm getting much better now. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. much better. Like I said, that event I mentioned, the Empowerment Social. I did that for three years. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Three years, three years in a row, did it. And the, if the pandemic had happened, I would have done it a fourth year and gone on tour in multiple cities. I'm like, Ooh, so it. it's not always. It may sound. I think now, I think mindset shifts in how I think about myself, things I say. Even on my um, my laptop, there's another post-it that I have here. They're all. If you come to my house, they are everywhere. I write on everything. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> it says, "What decision would I make if I were twice as strong and twice as confident?" And I heard that, I believe, from Robin at Peloton. Okay. She's doing something. It was Robin or Allie at Peloton had a speaking engagement, and one of them said that. Um, probably need to go back and quote that, but but it's on my – and I ask myself all the time, what would I do if I were twice as strong and twice as confident? And I try to ask myself, like, are you half-stepping? Is this your half-step? Because sometimes I'd rather, I'd rather shoot for, let's say, level 10, knowing it's going to be hard as hell, and I end up at seven, then shooting for five, knowing the bar was 10 and I get four. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I'm just over here like, I'm just like, I'm on the verge of tears and then I'm excited and I feel seen and I'm over here taking notes. I mean, this is exactly even what I needed in this season of my life. Can you share a few strategies that you've used to help women find their voice um, in their career? I got it. I think when it comes to finding your voice, it's closely linked to your passion most of the time, your passion or your expertise. Mm. I think understanding what your contribution is in this world as a human, as an individual, as wife, mom, mother, girlfriend, whatever your identity is, um, as a worker in your type, like what is your contribution and what are you good at? I think when you know what those things are, then you can confidently showcase your voice because it's hard to speak up and have a voice when you don't know who you are and you don't know what you bring. Right. So I bring people through a process of like really understanding, like when we look at your entire career as an entrepreneur or as a nine to fiver, what are the skills that you've gained from all of your work experiences, volunteer experiences, everything? What are the things that you love to do? What are the things that you hate and you are never going to do again unless you're about to be on the street eating ramen if you didn't do them? Because I think that that's good to know too, that, hey, I'm really good at this, but I don't like it. Um, Because those can be marketable skills for other things in case, you know, the well runs a little dry one day, you know, you can make a little money doing whatever that skill is, even if you don't like it. And I think once we get clear on, okay, what are these things? And what is it? Where do I see myself? Then we can start talking about your voice and what that looks like. How are we using your voice? And I think in this day and age, there's so many different ways to use your voice, whether it's simply speaking up at work and advocating for yourself to get the type of career that you want to have, whether it's more in the like podcast 
audio, writing books, writing articles, like writing, writing your script, writing yeah. your like just directing your piece, all of those creative exactly. as well, right? Where yeah. is your voice going to go? It's like, so what is your passion? What are your interests? What are you good at? And then where do you want to put it? And how can we build a plan for you to start putting it there and not necessarily waiting to get notoriety from some like outside source? Because right. I think sometimes we'll be like, well, I'm not going to share my voice until I get like this organization, like seconds it, or I work with this person or partner with that person. But I think the beautiful thing about being in 2023 is that you can do just about anything on your own, on your own platforms and use that as your resume, as your practice before you start to align with larger companies and organizations. I feel that. I, I, I think the thing that I had to realize lately is that as artists, right? Like as people who are creatives, the social media has monetized and like gave like a hierarchy to being creative right like if you have a lot of followers then you are super creative but it's like we these are gifts that were given to us mm -hmm. as creatives like God gifted us to those and I mean gifted us these gifts and I had to realize and accept that I would be doing this if there was no social media like sometimes it's like oh I need to do this to like get to where I'm trying to go I need to post on social media to appease the algorithm I need to do this to create an audience but it's like yo I'm I'm really an artist first this is what I was actually called to do and I have to unlearn my relationship with social media and really use it as a tool because it wasn't a tool when I first started using it. It was wow. an opportunity to share, you know? And I think we put too much pressure on social too. Like one of the things I ask people all the time is like, is social actually making you money? Is it making you money? And a lot of folks can say it isn't. Mm -hmm. They think it is. But if you start tracking where your sales come from, tracking like the engagement, tracking like what is it actually doing for you besides driving you crazy? Because mm -hmm. you're trying to post... 50, 11 times a day doing all the things. Like I know for me, um, I have a big following on Instagram. I was verified before the new, like you can get verified the other way. I just got verified a few months ago. Um, so it looks like, oh my gosh, she got the check. She got almost 25,000 followers, blah, 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 blah. But I'll tell you something. People who only follow me on Instagram do not pay me. Mm. They do not at all. People use Instagram as a validation tool because you can see more content. You can get to know who I am. It makes them more comfortable getting to know me. But I don't generally convert folks from just being on Instagram. Right. Those aren't the people who come into my program. Now, if they're on LinkedIn, that's much better. Or if they listen to me doing a webinar or something else, 100%. But me going crazy on social is not going to help me because my career folks, many of those folks have lurking profiles. They barely follow anybody. They barely post anything. Like they're not on social like that. And I think, and I understand that. I think it's, it could be different for creatives and we have yeah. to think about it differently, right? Like really I have to use it as a portfolio. Like this is the way, this is the place that I share the art that I was going to make anyway, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, I definitely understand, but, you know, and it's, I think it's tough to, you know, it's something that I'm unlearning. It's something that I just had a conversation with a friend about and I'm learning to accept because the other thing is like, if I look at myself as a documentary filmmaker, I want to make stuff for television for horizontal and now, but it's like, if I want to use social as the tool than it is, then I might have to make some things vertical and call it what it is. Right. So I think there's a lot of acceptance and learning Mm -hmm. what my relationship with social is. It is. And I think it's also, 
I'm really interested to see what happens in the next three to five years on what happens to social because it's very much becoming pay for play. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, agree. I, I think a lot of my friends, we've been chatting about it. A lot of like other influences I see online chatting about it, about us going back to old school, like having a website. Mm-hmm. People I have their own website, their own platform. I think YouTube isn't going to go away. I think because YouTube has been consistent with not playing around with us the way the other platforms have. Mm-hmm. But it's going to no, be really interesting. See that, and I think that speaks to the importance of relationship, right? And like, build, like community. And so, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on how that helps us with getting us to our next level. That's in so in community, I think is so key. I think it's in finding your people. Where are your people? How can you communicate with your people in the way that they like to communicate with you? And for some folks, that's Instagram. Like I know some fashion influencers who like they post anything. And people are buying it. They're doing that is where their community is. Instagram makes the money. That's where their people are. Other people go offline and they're on Mighty Network. Some people have these massive Facebook groups. Some people it's LinkedIn, like or some people it's YouTube. It's where is your community? There's a book, and I'm, I I want to recommend it, but I haven't finished reading it yet. Um, so I'm gonna paraphrase, like Medea paraphrases the Bible and Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> um, but it's talking about a blue ocean. Uh, I think it's called Blue Ocean Strategy. I can send it to you after okay. the show notes. Yeah. And it's about how do you create your ecosystem for your people? Oh, okay. And I think, like, we need to think about how do we communicate? Like, I know there's another book by Donald Mayer about story branding. It's like, how do we create a story brand, create a story for our brand that connects us to our community? And then how do we foster that community in the way they want to be fostered so we can continuously speak with them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's something that could change and evolve over time. I know I've tried all the different things in my own company. Um, even at the end of this two-day event that I had, they were like, oh my gosh, we want to talk to each other. We want to stay connected. And I and finally, because I think I'm, I'm more confident in myself and more confident in my company. And I was like, y'all, I would love to create community for you. I would love to. However, I already know what's going to happen. Y'all aren't going to log into Slack. You're not going to get into Mighty Networks. You don't want to go on Facebook. You're Mm. not going to get together with me. And you don't log into LinkedIn consistently because you're too busy working. So where am I going to put you? Mm. And they were like, oh, I know, I know. (laughs) It sounded good, but. Exactly. But they're like, oh my gosh, we want community. I'm like, but my people, they will show up for workshops. They will show up now that I have a podcast. When I do live podcast events, I know having them on my email list, that is where they are. Mm-hmm. Email is how I'll communicate with you, talk to you, invite you to things, and we're good. Right. Okay. Oh, this is good. So you wrote a book. You wrote a book about this. And without giving too much away, because I want people to get the book, can you tell us a little bit about it and you share your favorite chapter or story and why? Ooh, okay. So my book is called Next Move, Best Move, Transitioning into a Career You'll Love. Um, And the goal of this book is to put together a two-year career strategy for yourself. And I think when I wrote the book, I obviously had nine to fivers in mind. But more and more and more, like a lot of the practices is just applying it to yourself. I think when it comes to our careers, comes to our businesses, many times we want to see that someone doing exactly what we did or exactly what we want to do is helping us. But we have to be able to extract what we need and throw away the rest. Um, I think, what is my favorite chapter in the book? 
I would probably say, I talk about salary negotiation. That's one of my favorite ones. I think that's a skill that we all need to know how to negotiate our salaries, negotiate our contracts um, based upon our skills and the value that we're bringing. And I think I have another chapter on relationship building, which I talk about a lot. And I break down the different types of relationships that we need in our lives in order to push our careers forward. And that was a framework that I felt like I needed. I think many times we teach people like, oh, you got to network, you got to make friends, you got to go all the places, do all the things. But we don't tell people like, what type of relationships do we need based upon what our goals are? And that's one of my favorite chapters. And I can kind of give like the preview is that um, you have teachers. So you have people in your network who can literally teach you a skill, teach you how to do something. Like when you have trouble with this, like I just called an old contact of mine because I'm scaling my company and bringing in facilitators. I'm like, how do I protect my IP? And I know you have coaches. Like, can you, how do you do it? Like, what's your contract look like? Like that, she's a teacher for me. You have your colleagues, basically, inside and outside of your workplace, out of your industry, um, people who are your peers. You have your mentors. Those are the folks who've been there, done that. They can give you the real-time feedback because they've literally been in your shoes. And then we have your sponsors. And your sponsors are the most important folks. Um, I joke and tell people that they pick you up from where you are and bring you to where you rightfully belong because mm -hmm. they have power and influence, which is like the biggest thing. People can have overlap in a lot of the categories. But the sponsors are one of those where the power is the most important piece and not everybody has power and influence. And I define that as like being able to literally move the needle on your goals. Is it an introduction to a company? Is it they can get you an interview? They can get you on a project? Like they say move and everybody shifts. Mm. That's the type of power that you need. And they don't necessarily have to be, they could be the same level as you. Um, they could be lower. They just have to have that power and influence. This has been amazing. Is there anything that you want to share that you want to make sure you share before I let you go as it relates to getting to your next level? Um, I think the biggest thing I want you to take away from today is understanding yourself. Really understanding, are you taking the actions you need every single day to reach the goals? And can you call yourself out on your own bull? I think many times we do things that are not congruent with where we want to go and we don't hold ourselves accountable and we come up with a rationale, excuses to align with whatever the mess is that we're doing instead of what we should be doing. But I think it takes a certain level of self-awareness to be able to call yourself out and be like, you know what? That was some bull. I know it was some bull. I did that because I was scared. I know it's not supporting me, but then cut it. Cut it out once you realize that. So I think if you are not where you want to be in your life, in your career, in your business, I think sit yourself down and be like, are the actions you take are taking every single day, are they aligned? And if they are not, what do you need to do? And it's not that you need to be, especially for creatives, I think that creatives, especially like when I ever coach anyone in creative careers, like it's it's you can have freedom and structure. But it's are you giving yourself so much freedom? Because you're creative, that you don't have the foundation needed to even scale or grow how you want to. It's like, how can you give yourself um, both? And I think you can. I think it's like, you know, when people, they, people ask um, women, like, how do you balance everything? And they say, like, work-life integration, work-life balance, whatever we want to call it. It's like, how can we have, like, flow and structure at the same time? Hmm. You can create structure within the flow, flow within the structure. 
goodness goodness i'm like i need a minute after this to just download (laughs) everything i mean really because it's just it's just it's you know what it's just that's all i'm gonna say thank you we can talk some more again (laughs) okay yeah i I would love that thank you so much for chatting with me today i'm just really excited i'll put a link to your Amazon or to wherever you would like people to buy your book. I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited to have you back again soon. Thank you so much. I told y'all. I told y'all. I hope y'all took some notes. Re-listen if you need to. But please be sure to share and pass the wealth and the gift that is Kimberly Brown, all right? And if you like this episode, subscribe, rate, and review. And like I said, share. Share it. This is so good. I'm so grateful to you all. I'll talk to you soon.